It's Monday, July 5th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Prosecutors have charged the Trump Organization with a 15-year scheme to defraud the government and also charged its CFO, Alan Weisselberg, with grand larceny and tax fraud. These indictments are the first in a long-running investigation into Donald Trump's finances and business dealings. Ginger Gibson, deputy Washington digital editor at NBC News, joins us for these charges, Liz Cheney being named to the committee investigating the Capitol insurrection and the Supreme Court ruling on Arizona voting laws. Next, be careful when you see your favorite influencers and personalities promoting cryptocurrency. With all the hype around crypto right now, many are promoting altcoins or meme coins, and unfortunately, they are often tied to what is known as pump and dump schemes. Influencers pump up the altcoins in their networks, the value rises for a very short period of time, major investors dump the coins when it hits their peak, and everyone else is left with crypto coins worth nothing. Matt Binder, reporter and Mashable, joins us for the shady world of influencers promoting cryptocurrency. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. In 244 years, we have not had a local prosecutor go after a former president of the United States um, or his employees or his company. And that is a uh, that is a significant line to cross. Joining us now is Ginger Gibson, deputy Washington digital editor at NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Ginger. Thanks for having me. This past week, we saw prosecutors charge the Trump Organization, as well as their chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg, with a 15-year scheme to defraud the government. They charged Weisselberg with grand larceny, tax fraud. This is uh, being done uh, out of uh, the the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, uh, Cyrus Vance. So, uh, Ginger, tell us about what we saw in these charges. Yeah, we saw Weiselberg, who was a longtime Trump executive, was really Trump's right-hand man within the business, within the Trump organization, plead not guilty on Thursday in a Manhattan courtroom. He was accused of basically getting $1.7 million secret income, cars, rent, other ways that he was sort of compensated that wasn't an actual paycheck to avoid having to pay taxes. And, you know, there was a district attorney there on Thursday, Carrie Dunn, and she said that this was like not standard business practice. This was not one rogue employee, that this was organized by the company's most senior executives to their own benefit so that they would not have to pay taxes on this money they were making. Yeah, they wanted to do this kind of off the books scheme. Now, okay, a $1.7 million uh, to Weisselberg doesn't really sound that like that much in the grand scheme of things. I guess from the indictment, it seems like there were others involved and But, you know, President Trump himself, his family members aren't expected to be charged in this right now. So, you know, what are they looking for? What's the big fish? Because the investigation is ongoing, from my understanding. Yeah, I think that we're going to have a, you know, President, former President Trump has argued that this was all just a witch hunt, that they wouldn't have been looking into his company if they politically were not out to get him. And and he may be right that there's a little bit of a red sports car phenomenon going on. You know, the red sports car is pulled over for speeding more because it's more flashy and gets the attention of people. But I think we're going to see the DA make the case that 
they were doing their due diligence, they were looking, and that there was, as they argue, a crime committed by not reporting this income, and that this wasn't standard practice. This isn't something they would permit other companies to do, and that it cost the taxpayer, uh, that there's a public interest. Uh, There was a cost to people that they did this. But I think in the big picture, they're looking to show that this years of demanding Trump's tax returns, of uh, subpoenas, of court battles, uh, were to find something actually done wrong there. He pleaded not guilty, and lawyers for the Trump organization also pled not guilty for all of that. So, yeah, we'll see how that continues to develop. One of the other things we saw last week also was House Speaker Nancy Pelosi naming Liz Cheney to this new select committee that's going to investigate the Capitol insurrection on January 6th. There had been uh, you know, news that she was going to pick a Republican for this. Liz Cheney seems to fit the bill there. And uh, I guess uh, Kevin McCarthy had been kind of people were saying that he's going to punish anybody that goes on this committee, take away their committee assignments. Uh, but uh, so Liz Cheney is going to be sitting on this now. That's right. So Liz Cheney has been probably the most vocal Republican to speak out against Donald Trump and to be really critical of Donald Trump's role in the January 6th riot. And she has sort of told her leadership, like, I'm going to do this and you can do what you want. I think that we may find that Kevin McCarthy's threat was rather empty. He actually doesn't have the power to remove her from her committees. To do so, it would take a vote on the House floor. And the person who uh, controls that vote is Nancy Pelosi. And I can't imagine Nancy Pelosi allows a House vote to strip Liz Cheney of her committees for accepting an appointment that she made. And Pelosi is really hoping that Cheney gives the the committee a sense of... um, of credibility that she's a Republican, that she's a well-known Republican. She's the daughter of a former vice president. Um, And I think what we're going to see is McCarthy trying to do everything he can to take away credibility from this committee. And the Republicans he tries to put on there are likely going to be people who are also interested in that exercise. What are they looking into specifically? Is the whole thing Trump's involvement plus, you know, failures at the Capitol uh, as well, or, or is it going to be more narrow? What What are we expecting? I think we're going to see a pretty broad investigation around the events of the day and the events leading up to that. So Republicans, this has been a point of contention um, in the bipartisan discussion, was that some Republicans wanted them to investigate sort of all political violence or all instances of violence at political protests. And Democrats were obviously very opposed to that. They wanted it to be just January 6th related. But I think the key here is that we are going to hear a lot about Donald Trump. We're going to hear a lot about what Donald Trump knew, what he was aware of, what his allies and his team knew, and what they were aware of, and what they were doing behind the scenes. And one of the big questions that I think people have is the, what McCarthy was doing as it was happening. There were a number of reports at the time that McCarthy called Trump and asked Trump to stop to call the people off, to stop them as it was happening. And there's been various sort of pushbacks at that. And I think that there's a lot of interest among some Democrats in finding out what exactly was going on in that phone conversation. Although I don't know if they have quite the appetite to try to subpoena <laughs> a member of their right. own chamber to to testify before the committee. The word is that they will have the subpoena power, though. So maybe they will. You know, they we'll, will. See, we'll see if that goes through. And then last thing, uh, briefly, The Supreme Court's been very busy. Last week, they also upholded some restrictive Arizona voting laws, things that had to do with ballot harvesting and also, you know, throwing out ballots that were 
accidentally cast in wrong precincts. What does that do for the larger picture when it comes to voting laws? Yeah, I think that this is not bode well for people who are fighting state laws that are more restrictive. I mean, the court said that that type of law, those type of restrictions do not violate the Voting Rights Act, and that because they were not enacted with the intent to discriminate against people of color, that they don't fail for that reason either, and so they can remain. And we are seeing some of these efforts in other states, similar, even more expansive laws to be passed, and basically the court said, this one uh, doesn't break the rules, and so we can expect them to find other similar laws to be germane and acceptable in, under the current law. And and that's probably also going to stoke some Democrats to say they need a federal law to erase these, these state laws since the court isn't going to do so. Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, guys, one more thing. I haven't really gotten into the coin world at all, but my first venture is I'm just now a ambassador for this coin. It's called Save the Kids. Um, it's a charity coin, and this month alone, we're going to give a million dollars to charities. Joining us now is Matt Binder, reporter at Mashable. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Oh, thanks for having me. There is a ton of hype around cryptocurrency right now, and, you know, we know the big players... Bitcoin, uh, Ether, even Dogecoin to a lesser extent. But right now, what we're also seeing is just a bunch of influencers promoting other cryptocurrencies. This is kind of a, a shady world. You know, a lot of these influencers are getting paid to promote this and they end up being these kind of pump and dump schemes, which we'll get into how they work. But Matt, tell us what we're seeing right now. Right. So like you said, uh, cryptocurrency is big right now, especially off of earlier this year when there was the whole thing with the meme stocks like GameStop and AMC. And then crypto blew up shortly after. You know, crypto seems to ebb and flow throughout the years. It has its big moments and it has its, its low moments. And uh, just a few months ago, Bitcoin blew up once again and Dogecoin followed. And Dogecoin especially was really important to a lot of people in the crypto world, especially when we're talking about these altcoins or meme coins, because that's what Dogecoin is. It, it wasn't set up like a, a Bitcoin or an Ethereum where it was meant to be taken as a serious endeavor. It was made as a joke. It was built off of the Doge meme. So seeing it go from under a penny to a high of 70 cents like it did in May, a lot of people in the crypto world was like, were like, you know, what meme can we turn into a cryptocurrency? Right. We're seeing a lot of uh, Twitch streamers, YouTubers getting into this game now. And a lot of times their fans find out later that um, there really wasn't anything to it there. They lost money and it's becoming an increasing problem. Right. You know, there, there's all sorts of different altcoins out there on different memes. And when you hear about some of them, like you said, they certainly sound ridiculous. There's one that was promoted by one of the biggest Twitch streamers, Aiden Ross, that was called Titscoin. I had a lot of people when my piece came out, you know, share the piece and reply, you know, if you're if you're investing in something called Titscoin, then, you know, maybe you deserve to be, uh, 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 you know, t your money taken from right. you. You deserve to be scammed. But it's like. You could say the same about Dogecoin, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's why they have all taken their inspiration from Dogecoin. It was a meme about a dog 
like a, a single picture of a dog and uh, a Shiba Inu. And it blew up as a crypto. Even the founder of Dogecoin got out of his own creation years ago before it blew up because he thought the fact that people were taking it seriously was ridiculous and he didn't want any part in it. Right. So the idea that someone young, especially think about the ages of some of these people who are watching a, a Twitch streamer, they hear about Dogecoin, then they hear in the media about these few lucky people who became Dogecoin millionaires. And it's like, wow, if I, if I got in early on one of these next meme coins, that could be me. I, I want to take part in that. That's what happens here. I, I don't think it's helpful for people to try to, like, you know, claim that, uh, you know, it's obviously a scam because I think Dogecoin is proof that there are people who get lucky. And unfortunately, uh, I guess uh, when your favorite influencer is hawking something and you're of a certain age, you trust them and you don't think they're going to be doing something for just their own benefit. They're trying to get me in on the winnings, too. But unfortunately, <laughs> exactly. that, that's not the case. They refer to it as a pump and dump scheme a lot of times. And basically, you know, you'll have an influencer pump up the coin, say, hey, this is great. Let's get in on this. Uh, the values will go up for, you know, super short time in a lot of cases. And then everybody else that already has a bunch of the coins who's already invested dumps all that out. And then the thing tanks. And then if you're left one of the few people left holding some of that, you know, the value for you really plummets. Right, right. And see, a lot of times with these altcoins, like a uh, like a tits coin or another one I talk about in the piece, uh, Save the Kids, uh, another one's Bank Social. The thing is that a lot of these altcoins have pre-sales for uh, people who know about the, the, the altcoin before it actually launches to the public. What happens here usually is who gets in? The influencers who they hire to market the coin, the, uh, their friends and family members, and they buy it at pre-launch at the you know, absolute lowest value before it goes live. It launches. The influencers tell everyone, hey, this is a great new investment here. You should buy into it. The coin goes rockets up from all the people buying into it. And then when it hits a certain point, usually the whales, as they call them, the people who hold the, the, the majority of this crypto end up dumping it because they're going to walk away with a return on their investment. And when they do this, because they're holding so much of this coin, it completely tanks the value of it. And then everyone else who bought in because they thought it was going to be a great investment because their favorite influencer told them and they bought when it was already you know, going up in price, you know, they, they bought at a price that this coin will never likely get to again right. or even worse they've lost uh everything because the coin ends up being worthless like there is there is two things that happen here not all these coins i should i should stress are are built to be a scam or to bilk people of money it just turns out that way because of how it's built even if someone does have the best intentions um, but, you know, these, these projects fail and sometimes people are left with getting not even, you know, a portion of their money back. The, right. the project's just done. One of the examples you use in the piece is the esports team FaZe, the FaZe clan. And, you know, they have a bunch of guys on their team and between all of them, a, a, bunch, and, a bunch of followers. And they were pumping out a couple of uh, coins that they, were, um, they wanted people to get into. And a lot of their followers got in on that, I think, uh, crashed down just as you had been describing. And a lot of their fans were, were pretty angry that, that they even kind of started shilling it out to them. Right, right. They, they, FaZe Clan seems to be a major 
tool for these crypto these altcoins to go to in order to promote their their, their uh, crypto. Well, basically, you know, they're they're a huge esports team. In fact, just this month, they became the first ever esports organization to grace the cover of Sports Illustrated. So, you know, what we're talking about here is pretty much like, you know, the LeBron James of their field. So you have this team go ahead and not, not all of them, but a number of high profile members, people with millions of followers across various platforms. They promote these altcoins. And what I said has happened in terms of the pump and dump to pretty much every coin I came across. There, there's one member who I noticed would promote probably more than half a dozen over like just a few weeks span, uh, phase K. And I know he's come out since my piece and has apologized for what went down and claiming that, you know, he, he didn't really know what was going on here, but that regardless, I mean, the idea that you would just throw all these investments out and claim that all of them are going to be, uh, you know, a, a good investment for your fans as there's time in between for you to see each one of these coins tank. I mean, I should stress here that it's not like, People would buy these coins and over a few weeks or months span, it would suddenly tank. No, I'm talking literally within hours after these influencers were promoting these coins, this thing would, these coins would just be worthless. And one example is Save the Kids. And this one is especially egregious because uh, a number of uh, uh, members of FaZe Clan, including some prominent YouTubers who aren't part of that team, like Ricegum, promoted this token called Save the Kids. And Save the Kids, what they did, now that doesn't sound like a meme, right? Because it wasn't. This is another uh, uh, marketing scheme that some of these altcoins use, and that's the charity angle. And this coin marketed itself as a cryptocurrency that would tax a percentage of all transactions and give it to children's charities. This coin launched on June 5th being pumped by a number of these influencers. They, they were even uh, showcased, these influencers were even showcased on the Save the Kids website yeah, as like official am- ambassadors. And they made a marketing video for the coin. It launches June 5th. It goes up. And then within a few hours, it tanks all the big holders sold. Two weeks later, on June 17th, there's an announcement in the official Save the Kids Telegram channel where basically the founders who are funding the operation have disappeared. The developer they contracted, they can't, the developer can't get a hold of them. So effectively, the developer announces at this point, unless he can find someone else to help keep the operation going, Save the Kids coin is dead. Wow. So, I mean, you have people who bought into this who now have are holding a worthless investment. And, you know, it, by the way, since my piece was published, at the time it was published, those, influence were st- those influencers were still prominently showcased on the website. After it was published, uh, whoever was responsible for the Save the Kids website took the influencers down, left everything up on the website, just removed their images. Uh, again, supposedly the founders bailed. I don't know who's responsible for the website, but their images have now been removed to short, sort of uh, keep them away far away from whatever went down here. Matt Binder, reporter at Mashable. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. 
Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.